This podcast is supported by Siemens, your partner for industrial grade AI. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of our Industrial AI podcast. My name is Robert Weber, and it's a pleasure to talk to Franziskos Kuriakopoulos from Austria. Hello, Franziskos. Hi, Robert. Your name is not an Austrian name, right? You have Greece roots, right? Yes, that's correct. So I'm half Austrian, half Greek. My father uh, is from Greece. I was uh, born in Austria, but raised there. And now I live in Austria since 20 years. We want to talk about industrial AI startups and how investors can do a due diligence without having AI knowledge. I think that's very interesting for the most investors. But before we start, Francisco, introduce yourself in a few sentences. What's your profession? Where do you come from? And what do you do with AI? Sure, thank you very much. So uh, I'm Franciscos. Uh, my background is from technical physics. I studied this in Linz at Johannes Kepler University. Very famous. Very famous university with very good AI people. Uh, that's my background. Then I flipped to uh, complexity science and started doing data science like 15 years ago with Stefan Turner, who is a leading complexity scientist in Austria. We de uh, did publish about anomaly detection in financial networks. And I've been doing AI as a startup starting in 2012 with my first company and since 2016 with Sevenlytics, which is an AI company from Linz, Austria. Let's talk about these AI startups. What is the problem with due diligence and what have you developed? Yes. So in principle... Every startup is a bunch of risks, right? So <laughs> from the business to the techniques to wherever you look. As an investor, uh, you want to lower your risk. And for this reason, every investor makes a due diligence. And due diligence classically has a legal part. It has a business and finance part. It can have a tax part, but also a technical part, right? And now we are in the year of AI and more and more AI startups come. And uh, investors will have to choose who are the good ones and uh, which ones are not so good or only pretend to be good in AI, right? And uh, for this reason, uh, there is a demand for AI due diligence. There is this famous cartoon with a, you know, AI on PowerPoint and doing machine learning. You know that? Yeah, yeah there is a meme. Uh, so what is uh, AI? Probably it's probably AI if it's in Python, and it's not AI if it's on a PowerPoint. There's one meme, and the other meme, which is quite popular now, is you know where uh, from Scooby Doo, <laughs> where they have this mask and, and, and it says AI startup on it, and it takes it off, and it's just a call to ChatGPT. <laughs> and on a, uh, this actually it's a meme, but it's true, right? So uh, there are a lot of companies who now make nothing else than have an API call, JGPT, and they built up some service, right? Which can be fine, but it's not their intellectual property. Yeah. So you can do it. It's good if you are transparent about it, but it's also a risk because if tomorrow OpenAI say, I'm, I'm closing this API for you, then you're gone, right? And this kind of risks investors should know about. Are these investors are blind on AI? Uh, not all of them, of course. Uh, here also a lot is going on. So we are seeing some investors in, the, in Germany and in Austria who 
are uh, technically well suited, yes. And uh, I also see some movements on data-driven VCs and, and uh, AI-driven VCs. So they're getting more and more into the VC stack. But to be honest, the traditional venture capital for investor has no technical training in machine learning or in data science. So he lacks the competence of assessing the quality. And in principle, it's really just what the startup will show, right? And, and how believable. You have also a company dealing with industrial AI project. When you now start this due diligence, are you looking at the business case, the data, the models, the patterns, or what is your focus on? Yeah, so actually we look all of these aspects through because we follow the typical crisp DM process, which is here like ages and the, the starting point is the business question. So what business problem are you solving? Yeah. The use case also defines and has to do with the AI Act, which we may speak today a little bit. Also, it can classify you if you're forbidden, if you're high risk or not. So this is an issue. Then uh, come also the legal stuff uh, where we, of course, I'm not a lawyer. My company is not a lawyer, but we have a very good partnership with our lawyers. Uh, if I can name them, it's Hartling and Nagel from Linz 3. Oh, it sounds very Austrian. It's very Austrian. It's a very traditional uh, Kanzlei with attorneys, but three young lawyers, Johanna Fischer, Markus Gandera, and Thomas Ries, they have tigered themselves into uh, the legal complexities of the AI Act. And um, whenever we have a legal question, we pass on to them and we're very happy. So you have the business, you have the legal, and then the fun part for us start, which is the data and the technical stuff. And here we really go deep and, and try to find out how good is the quality of the solution, right? And how do you do that, this technical part? What do you do then with the AI startup? Yeah, well, in principle, it depends also how much do they want to spend on it because it has three packages, uh, small, medium, and extended. But actually, it's not the startup who should pay it because all you start is trying to raise money, so it's the investor uh, or the private equity company. So in principle, what we do is we, we build up a data room and want to see the data. And, and if the data is not available for some reason, we want to know why, right? And then we follow along the lines and say, okay, how did you process the data? What kind of data quality checks did you do? What kind of features have you done out of the raw data that you got into this? Whole cross-validation protocol. This is a very important one because one of the uh, biggest mistakes that happens all the time is data leakage, right? So, so this this not only for startups, for everyone who's doing data sets. You do something and you don't uh, have considered data leakage and then you have the future in your training and actually you're overfitting. Yeah? And here, because we know this problematic very well, especially if you do uh, stuff with time series, uh, we take care that this is very properly done, right? And uh, then, of course, the actual thing, the model training and the model results are reviewed and here... We compare it to several benchmarks, you know, because uh, one of the biggest issues I see all the time happening is uh, someone trains a model and they say, hey, look, I have a F1 score, which is so high and my ROC AUC is so high. Yeah, this is great. Of course, yeah. But what if I can reproduce this in a distance of, let's say, 0.5 percentage points in the metric with simple linear regression or a nearest neighbor or simple light GBM, what's, what's then uh, so valuable about your AI solution, right? 
this is also we ask about how much more added value can be shown uh, in regard to benchmark models. Where do you find these benchmark models? Well, we have, since we are also a producer of, of AI products and have done critical solutions in predictive maintenance, in demand forecasting, in credit risk assessment uh, for very complex data, we know very, very well what works and what doesn't work. Yes. So I can tell one one example is everything that has to do with tabular data, the benchmark models will be XGBoost or light GBM. You have to bench against against that. Yes. And um, this is a, a thing that we also see in, in research. So you have now After transformers have gotten a lot of attention in text and in image, you see also a lot of people trying to do transformer models in tabular or deep learning, right? And then if you attack those publications and those models with some simple XGBoost or, or tree-based stuff or, or other baselines, you see that, well, not always uh, is the, the state of the art that is claimed in the papers hold, right? This is what The same thing we do in the due diligence. We attack the model with uh, benchmark models and we want to see if there is a big enough, a significant qualitative difference. Who is your focus customer? I think it's not a Siemens or ABB because they have the, the technical background. Do you focus on these German, Austrian mid-sized companies who want to invest money or do you focus on banks and, I don't know, some funds or something like this? Or Who is your customer? Uh, we have, uh, in principle, it's two customer segments here. Uh, the one segment will be the AI startup, which is trying to get an investment and Either the startup or the investor or the business angel will approach us and we will do that. So this is actually how the whole thing started going because here in Upper Austria, uh, we also have an ecosystem and we're trying to make it better now. And uh, this came to be the specific startup in the healthcare area. Uh, we knew the investors and they asked me and said, hey, can you look at, into it? And we did already three rounds of, of this due diligence, right? It worked out great. And, and they used actually the due diligence to, to move on and become better. They were good and came better. The second segment is, of course, the industrial. And this can be a mid-sized, but it can also be a, a large corporate, which, of course, they have technical expertise, as you mentioned. But in some cases, it's like this, that the data science team is a little bit unsecure. Uh, is this good enough? Or some manager would like to know, hey, uh, how good is our in-house AI working really? Yes. And uh, then we go also there, right? And the third segment are we ourselves because the whole thing started, we built this competence because our own solutions in the mentech sector are already regulated. And in the banking sector where we make stuff like credit areas, you already have a very strict regulation now, at least in Austria. But we do not talk only about regulation because regulation and trustworthy AI, this is a topic for the TÜV or TÜV Austria or for the regulation companies. Or I am wrong. No, you're right. Uh, in principle, the certification or the formal audit will come from a company like TÜV and, and uh, when the AI Act will be ratified at some moment next year or in 18 months, I don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, then probably TÜV 
Austria and some other players will become a certification company, right? We are not a certification company because this is legal reasons why we're not doing it. We make a technical uh, due diligence in the form of a consulting, like a consultancy would do it here, yes, but we also incorporate it in our own product because, to give you an example, you can do all this with a report, right? You can write a due diligence report, which is a document, but the actual tests the technical stuff, this is something that a customer wants to see also in the software. You don't want don't want to step out of it and just read documents. You want to have it in there, in the data, in the model, and then it pops up. And if you have some test that your model doesn't pass because it's crap or your data are, are crap and you have some too much missing data or negative data which should be positive or what do I know, this should pop up as an alarm. So you log in and see it, right? You mentioned these consultants. What do the consultants like AY and Boston Consulting, what they say when Franciscus is now coming and say, I will do the whole consulting thing and the audit and I will check the companies. It's their business case, right? Of course. And I'm sure that each of the big four and the others have plans and, and are preparing around this. We have talked with some of them, yes, in good partnership. And we can cooperate here or we cooperate with some of them. And, you know, it's a huge market. I was talking about this also with Bernhard Nessler, who did research on that with Sepulheiter and this is SCCH and they, we do stuff together with TÜV and we agreed that this market is going to be huge. And in the same sense that uh, GDPR market <laughs> was huge, right? And uh, what happened back then? And nobody wanted to do anything. And then the law came and then everyone, one went crazy and everyone starts running and, and asking what do I need to do to be GDPR compliant. And the same thing is going to happen with the AI Act when it comes. And uh, we are just preparing ourselves. And of course, you can go to EY, you can go to Boston, you can go to KPMG and PVC. But that's fine. In some cases, we are partners with them and they will pass you to us. Uh, and in some other cases, they will do it. But Francisco, your USP, I think, is a technical background, right? Because sometimes I miss this technical background at the big consultants. Yes. And uh, in principle, we are not a consultant. We produce this stuff. And like Richard Feynman said, if you want to understand something, you have to build it. And since we build this, we know what can go wrong and what the problems are. And this is how we look at it. The second aspect is also the business aspect. I'm not a consultant uh, working for the big four. I'm... I, startup founder. I know also the business pain. So for example, if some startup says, okay, we have this great AI, it's technically great. And here is a business plan. And I plan to have like 100 B2B customers next month. At, I don't know, let's say 10K MRR or something. You know how hard this is to produce and we can get some, some insight about maybe to get more realistic uh, plans here. What does your customer get in the end? Is it a paper that says pass or fail or what do you deliver at the end? Yeah, typically it's a due diligence report which says exactly this. You see green and yellow and orange and red flags in it, yes. So obviously you don't want to have a red flag. We have also included missing flags because not available is also something that can happen if someone doesn't want to show you anything. And we have included state-of-the-art flag. So 
made that blue because it could be that some startup has an exceptional result. And then this also we would like to show and not just pass, right? So this is what they get and this helps them to move on. And how we how we provide this is you, you're aware of test-driven development in software, yes? So you make tests. If they fail, you have to change your code to pass the test. And in the same sense, we give this to the customer and say, hey, look, you pass this, but you fail this, and here you need to get better. So actually, this can also be provided recurringly because it's part of the software, and we also have put it into a software and in our software, and so you, you can see it. And let's say every iteration, every sprint, he can try to be, get better scores out of it because in principle, it's a test suit which is run, right? And in, let's say 100 tests, and uh, you pass 70% in the first run if you're okay, then you have 30 failed, and then the next iteration you pass 80% and so on and so on. And this is how you work yourself through to the better state, right? But Francisco, you are a technical guy. You don't want to type, I don't know, 15 pages of summarize the testing. And I think you are not interested in this part. Do you have an idea to develop a software or a product doing this stuff and then you get an automatically a report? Or is it only my dream to do that? No, no, it's actually where we're heading, yes, and we're on a good way there because we use templates for that. And I mean, one of the, the biggest AI hype at the moment are uh, chatbots which can summarize text and deliver stuff. Obviously, we use all available technology which helps us automate this process, right? And the tests themselves are not manual tests when it comes to the data, yes, or the models, but we have a test suite, which is a software, and it produces an output and also the text and the scores. This is all templated and it's in a software. But there are some aspects which still you need to talk with the people, right? If you talk about the team, I can uh, read in a CV automatically, but the experience of talking with the developers and finding out how is the mentality of the data scientists in the team or of the uh, product manager, of the start and stuff like that. This is still uh, human-based. At some point, you could automate this too, but I like actually talking with the people and finding out also what was their idea, how did they deal with problems, how do they plan to move on to become better, what is their vision. And this is something which is on, on the soft side of this report, right? Can you at the end describe how did investors do a due diligence in the past? What were their steps in the past before you offered the service? Well, as I said in the beginning, the typical due diligence is legal financial, yes? And they want to see your business plan and they want to talk with you. And what I have, my experience, I have made now three investment rounds in my own company. And I think the most important thing what investors look into is the team, right? If they trust you, that you are uh, have the energy and the skills and the drive to and the vision to raise a company which could become 100 million, then they will invest. So this is what they actually have told me. Uh, I'm sure it has happened in other companies, but I have not had this extensive due diligence until now in my company. Yes, so nobody came and looked into the source code directly, and uh, because. They looked at the customer references. If the customer is happy, the software would be also right, uh, good, right? So and this is the main difference that we try to switch now. We want to really go into the technical side and give the investor some security of information 
but they know, okay, someone who knows what he's talking about here looked at this and gave his assessment. And I think it's getting more important when we talk about the AI Act, because there you also offer a risk assessment, right? Yes and no. You need to be careful with uh, reliance. So in principle, let, let me give the bad example. Yes. Imagine you have a startup and you make the DD and say, okay, this is great. Uh, this looks good. You pass all the tasks. And then after someone invests in the startup and after one year, uh, the startup would have wrong behavior or do crazy stuff, right? You cannot, uh, if you're the tester, bear the risk of these guys doing so there is, of course, a, a legal non-reliance on that. But on the other hand, uh, what we are actually doing is we're preparing the startup under the AI Act for certification if the use case is a high risk. So maybe for the audience also who are not aware of the AI Act, it's a proposal from the European Commission. It defines what AI is, uh, which is absurd because they also, in the definition in Annex 1, they say, well, every logic-based system or expert system or reasoning or search, which means practically Excel or any software or any database is AI. So actually, it's not an AI, it's a software act, yes? <laughs> and the second thing, it says that some stuff are forbidden, like social credit risk or manipulation of, of minors, which is good, but other stuffs are high risk, right? So high risk is for example credit, everything that has to do with credit, everything that has to do with employment, with your career, with biometrical data and so on. And there is a long list about this. So for the startup, the critical thing is this, is my use case high risk or not? And if yes, what do I need to do to certify? So as I said, we're not doing the certification, but we will prepare you to go to a company which certifies or an authority which certifies to allow you to license your AI in the European Union. So, Franciscus, what is your goal? Do you sell your old company and focus on certification and say goodbye to your companies? Or what is your goal for the next two years with this topic, service due diligence? No, not at all. I'm, um, my topic, our strategic topic also with our investors is to grow some analytics with our software. We have four main use cases. Uh, I mentioned maintenance, demand forecasting, personalization, and risk prediction. Uh, this is what we do. And we are in the supply chain, so our customers are in the supply chain. And we want to grow, to go to a great round, to be profitable, uh, double in revenue, and these are the typical startup goals. And now is a good year, I think, for AI startups to do that and also show the scalability. We have shown the value. Uh, so we are not going to become a certification area, but uh, we will use these features in our software to also show the value. And besides that, I am also part of the AI Upper Austria Verein. We are with AI Austria very well. And here we just try to build an ecosystem of startups and investors uh, in Upper Austria. And we have an event soon in Ars Electronica Center uh, coming up where we're going to show that. So, not a new company, you will stay at your company. Yes, yes, of course. Francisco, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. All the best to you, to your family and to your company. And we are looking forward to hear once again from you. Thank you very much, Robert, for having me and anytime again.